ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Awabakal, Darug and Eora people. Back in 2011, an IBM supercomputer named Watson competed on the American TV show Jeopardy. Watson, what is Creed? Yes. Watson was competing against the two greatest Jeopardy champions of all time, Ken Jennings and Brad Rutter. Watson, what is Jericho? Correct. Watson, who is Mary Leakey? You're right. Watson smashed the humans and won a million dollars. But if Watson started to misbehave, the humans could just have smashed Watson. I mean that literally. I mean, Jennings and Rudder could have grabbed a hatchet and smashed the computer to pieces if they wanted. Or, I suppose the IBM team could have just turned it off. But what people are worried about is, what if Watson had decided it didn't want to be turned off? What if Watson became so intelligent that it was able to hide from the hatchet? Or hire a mercenary army to protect its servers or make a million copies of itself? Or use its intelligence to design a more intelligent version of itself in an endless cycle that creates a machine with the power of a god and no use for us, the race of monkeys which keeps trying to hit it with hatchets? It's time to duel. AI is getting good. Really good. So good that we could be heading to a place where robots are smarter and better at reasoning than humans are. The world's most famous artificial intelligence company, OpenAI, the creator of ChatGPT, was set up to create a super-intelligent AI while at the same time safeguarding humanity from an omnipotent robot overlord which could enslave us all. Thank God someone's protecting us, right? But last week, the company fell into chaos. Hundreds of millions of people use this product every week and uh, things just seem to have imploded. OpenAI fired its wunderkind CEO, Sam Altman. The friendly face of AI and co-founder of OpenAI got the boot. Just days later, under intense pressure, Sam Altman was put back in charge and half the board was booted. So on this week's episode, is an AI apocalypse possible? And with Altman back in charge, will OpenAI be able to protect us from its own robots? I'm Matt Bevan, and this is If You're Listening. Um, questions is about artificial intelligence. Like In 2015, Vanity Fair held a panel discussion featuring Sam Altman, who was asked for his thoughts on artificial intelligence. The science fiction version is either that we enslave it or it enslaves us, but there's this uh, happy symbiotic vision where it sort of empowers a lot of different individuals. Altman was 30 and had recently been promoted to president of one of Silicon Valley's top startup investment firms, Y Combinator. Sitting next to him was Tesla CEO Elon Musk, whose concerns about the future of AI were pretty public already. When asked about his views on AI, Musk cracked a few jokes that didn't really land. Um, and, um, and then said, I do think we need to be careful about the development of AI and make sure that the future is good. Two months after this panel discussion, Altman, Musk and 10 other Silicon Valley figures became co-founders of a new organisation called OpenAI. You mean the rest of the team uh, you know, created OpenAI? 
to help spread out um, AI technology so it doesn't get concentrated in the hands of a few. In the world of Silicon Valley, OpenAI is a kind of an unusual company. It's made up of people who did want to create a super-intelligent AI, but are also worried that a super-intelligent AI might take our jobs or kill us all. My worst fears are that we, the field, the technology, the industry, cause significant harm to the world. Uh, I think that could happen in a lot of different ways. It's why we started the company. I think if this technology goes wrong, it can go quite wrong. Researchers are pretty sure that an AI superintelligence is coming. And it's more a case of when rather than if. This is Professor Kevin Warwick, an English expert in cybernetics and robotics. The thing that keeps AI researchers up at night is called the technological singularity. Basically, losing control of our machines. The best way to think of it is walking towards the edge of a cliff blindfolded. So we put a bit more intelligence into a machine. Yep, everything's all right. Right, let's put a bit more intelligence into a machine. Everything's all right. Give it a bit more power. So it's walking towards the edge of a cliff. We don't really know where it is. I mean, I, I would hope, I think we are still some way off it. So the cliff, the singularity, the moment when we lose control of our own invention, can he roughly guess where that cliff is? To directly answer your question, 20 to 30 years. 20 to 30 years. Oh, sorry. One key thing that I should mention is that interview was done in 2004, 19 years ago. So we might already be on the edge of the cliff. The mission of OpenAI is to build safe artificial intelligence and to ensure that AI's benefits is distributed as widely and evenly as possible. OpenAI didn't just have altruistic dreams about the future of AI. It also had a really unusual business structure. OpenAI was a not-for-profit. It was set up not to represent the interests of the shareholders, but to represent the interests of humanity. Many of their staff had even taken a big pay cut to join OpenAI because they believed in that mission. But running artificial intelligence experiments requires a massive amount of computing power. And by 2018, their experiments were costing more than they were getting in donations. Elon Musk had bailed out, saying that he had a conflict of interest because Tesla was also working on AI. Mind you, he was still determined to take credit for anything that OpenAI did. I, I am the reason OpenAI exists. So, um, I came up with a name. As he left, he promised that he would keep donating money. But he, um, didn't. But in 2019, their money problems were solved. Hi, I'm here with Sam Altman, CEO of OpenAI. Microsoft, at the time the biggest company in the world, partnered with OpenAI as an investor. Today we are very excited to announce a strategic partnership. Microsoft, very much a profit-driven company with a duty to its shareholders, made a starting investment of more than a billion dollars. So Sam, welcome. Thank you very much. OpenAI became a strange sort of hybrid organisation. They had a very unusual company structure. Uh, it's a capped profit organisation, which means that it has some of the features of a not-for-profit, some of the features of an ordinary commercial organisation. Not everyone was happy with the partnership. This would be like, like let's say you funded an organisation to save the Amazon rainforest, and instead they became a, a lumber company <laughs> and chopped down the forest and sold it for money. British computer scientist Stuart Russell says there was a clear clash between what OpenAI wanted and what Microsoft wanted. You've got the CEO 
of OpenAI, Sam Altman, saying, absolutely, we need regulation right now. Uh, and you've got Microsoft, which is a major shareholder in OpenAI, uh, arguing the opposite. Some of the OpenAI staff left to start their own company with even more stringent safety measures. They were concerned that OpenAI was increasingly being driven by a profit motive, and that would undermine its commitment to safety. And a number of AI experiments were showing that the safety concerns were very, very real. So please join me in welcoming uh, Helen. In 2021, Helen Toner joined the OpenAI board. Hi, my name is Helen. She's an AI researcher from Australia with a focus on safety. But one of the things that annoys her is how we in the media talk about the risk of AI. You know, the media likes to get clicks. She is right. We do love clicks. Clicks. We've seen this whole wave of articles talking about AI risk in terms of the Terminator um, and in terms of robots with guns deciding that they hate humanity because they're evil and coming to kill everyone. She is really worried about the risk of AI, but she's not worried about evil robots. She's worried about... Badly specified objective functions, um, you know, robustness, reliability, that kind of thing, rather than angry robots with guns. Now, I had to do a bit of reading to figure out what that meant there. But basically, AI does what we ask it to. We define objectives for them, and then the AI systems pursue those objectives. But sometimes it goes about that in an unexpected way. The difficulty is we don't know how to define the objective completely and correctly. I'll give you some examples that are kind of cool, but also a little bit unsettling. Researchers created a digital environment for an AI, then gave the AI a bunch of digital 3D shapes and asked it to make a creature out of the shapes. And then they gave the creature 10 seconds to move as fast as it could. Now, a human toddler would look at these shapes, sticks, blocks, flat bits, and probably make something that looks like a horse. <laughs> But the AI didn't do that. It created basically a giant lollipop. And then it made the lollipop fall over onto its bulbous head and then bounce into a cartwheel. The speed of its cartwheel was faster than anything it could make a horse-shaped thing do. Bam, the speediest possible creature. In another scenario, the AI was asked to defeat a human at a game of Connect Four on an infinitely large board. The human would make a move, and then the AI would make a move like a trillion squares to the right of the human's token. This forced the human's computer to imagine a board with a trillion squares on it, at which point the human's computer would crash and forfeit the game. Bam, the AI wins every time. Overloading the software is actually a common tactic for an AI when you ask it to win something, the computer equivalent of flipping the table when you're losing at Monopoly. All of this is really interesting, and it shows that AI has the ability to think creatively in ways that humans don't. That could be incredibly helpful in figuring out solutions to our biggest questions. Climate change, resource management, economic inequality, eradicating cancer, who really shot JFK, how can anyone eat rock melon, that kind of thing. But if you give it a badly specified objective, it might make things worse. What if it stops global warming by triggering an ice age? What if it eradicates cancer by exterminating all life on Earth? 
You can't get cancer if you're dead. In November 2022, OpenAI's ChatGPT was launched and people went nuts. If you haven't seen this yet, this is ChatGPT. There might be people like me scratching their heads and going, ChatGPT? What the shit? It's just stunning how much progress it's been made. What? This thing is crazy! Pretty much done my job for me. If you've never used it, it's, it's honestly, it's pretty cool. Pick two random objects and ask it to write an original poem about them or ask it to draft a simple legal document for you, or organise some data into a spreadsheet, and you'll get an idea of its potential. When people saw what it could do, OpenAI's valuation exploded, rocketing up to $90 billion. Sam Altman started looking for new revenue streams. The board was worried, though. Helen Toner wrote a scientific paper saying that despite OpenAI's significant efforts to mitigate the risks of ChatGPT, the very fact that it launched posed a danger. Almost every other AI company, from Google to Elon Musk's X, threw off the shackles of safety and fast-tracked their development. They were sprinting towards the cliff. Altman was furious. He sent a group email criticising Toner's paper. For the board members who thought they were there to defend the interests of humanity, this was a big worry. They were concerned that the company was now prioritising profit over safety and that the CEO wasn't receptive to constructive criticism. All of a sudden, the board fired Altman. It's, it's hard to emphasise how amazing or shocking the sacking of Sam Altman is. It was not well received. The staff have signed an open letter, more than 700, um, saying demanding that Altman is reinstated, the board is sacked, and threatening to um, join Microsoft. Altman said he'd come back if the board was fired. He did, and they were. The former CEO of OpenAI is returning to his old company just days after he was controversially sacked by the board. The company's now resumed its normal operations. It's retained its weird hybrid non-profit profit structure, but experts say that's just a facade. It's just a company now, like any other. But the problems haven't been resolved. AI is unpredictable. It's already doing a lot of great things. We use several different AI tools while producing this show. But as it grows more intelligent, and is integrated into more systems, the risks increase. Sam Altman says it's now up to governments to regulate, build guardrails for the industry. I think it will require mostly action by government to figure out how we want to mitigate that. But given that even the experts barely understand what they're creating, are governments up to it? If You're Listening is written by me, Matt Bevan. Supervising producer is Yasmin Parry. If you're interested in hearing more about AI, uh, check out the ABC's Science Friction podcast, which has just published a six-part series on AI. Before you go, we would actually be quite keen to hear what you think of the show. What kind of episodes you like? What do you want more of? Do you watch our videos? Are my jokes fun? Sorry, yeah, sorry, Yas wrote this, of course. <laughs> Of course, my jokes are funny. Uh, we've set up a survey. There's a link to it in the episode description and it's on our website. Catch you next week. <laughs>